Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Let me tell you a story. A man came up to Jesus. He wanted to tell him how much he loved him, how much he believed in him as as the Messiah, but he couldn't. He couldn't speak. He couldn't utter a word. He was what is called mute. But on top of that, this man had to grope his way to Jesus in the darkness. He had to stumble his way to Jesus for he was blind. You know, hopefully some person helped him find Jesus and maybe somebody showed him kindness and held his hand as he walked toward Jesus. Maybe he had to grope in the darkness to find him himself all alone. Either way, this man couldn't hear and he couldn't see. But then there was a third tragedy for this man. He couldn't hear, he couldn't see, and all of that was caused because he was possessed by a demon. The Bible clearly shows that the demon inside of him was the cause of his blindness and was the cause of the fact that he couldn't speak. The demon inside of him was causing all of this. Demons are evil beings. And they wander this earth and they seek to inhabit human bodies. Now they seek to inhabit human bodies because they want to cause heartbreak and chaos. And Jesus later on in this very moment will tell the Pharisees that demons love deserts and dry places. And in particular, Jesus will say they want to inhabit humans. Earlier, remember that story? We saw how thousands of demons inhabited one man and that they later went and lived inside thousands of pigs. Remember that? They were wandering. They wanted to inhabit a body. Well, here this man was blind and could not speak because this evil demon was inside of him. The demon had removed his ability to see and to hear. This demon was causing chaos and hurt, all the while being possessing inside this man. Why would they do that? Quite frankly, this simply shows how evil demons are. They are here and they work for one person only. They work for Satan. And their whole work is simply to cause evil and to cause misery, and to cause havoc, and to cause chaos on this earth before they are thrown into the lake of fire at the end of days. And they know that that's their end. Remember when they met Jesus, they said, has the time come? Our time hasn't come yet. Remember that? They they know that their end is going to be in the lake of fire to be tormented forever. So before they get thrown into the lake of fire on the day of judgment, their goal is to cause as much misery and suffering and to do the bidding of their Lord, Satan. 
And what better way to do that for a demon than to inhabit a human and to cause that human such pain and suffering? You know, I just want to pause here and say that the supernatural world is real. And this story here is an example of that reality. I mean, this man could not see or hear because a demon was causing havoc in his life. And I want to encourage you, anybody, adult, child, to not mess with the supernatural world. The only way the Bible encourages us to seek out the supernatural world is to seek Jesus. To seek God. God says, if you seek for me, you will find me. And he promises, God promises to reveal himself to you. But that is it in terms of the supernatural world. That is the only type of supernatural pursuance you should be doing. You should be pursuing Jesus, wanting to see God, but that is it. You should otherwise stay away from the supernatural. You should stay far away from the domain of the supernatural. Do not mess with stuff like tarot cards, which you can buy at your average store. Or Ouija boards. I've seen those at, at, at stores in the game aisle. Or maybe you like to look at the Zodiac. You know, you like to maybe try to predict the future through astrology or, or, or reading, you know, am I Sagittarius? Am I a Libra? You know, I'm trying to read what your sign foretells for the future. Don't mess with it. Don't mess with any of it. Stay away from signs of the Zodiac, from playing the Ouija board, from saying creepy things in the mirrors. And, and I'm talking to adults, too. Stay away from reading books and watching movies that encourage you to think and dwell on the supernatural world. Because in this world, it is evil. The Bible says the only way to pursue the supernatural world is to find Jesus and to pursue him. The supernatural world is real, and it is inhabited by demons who are seeking places to live. And they are wanting to live in people. And they're wanting to cause misery and suffering. Run away. It's dangerous. Well, I want to make you aware of demons in the supernatural, but I don't want you to be afraid. If you know Jesus is your Savior... You have nothing to be afraid of at all of the supernatural. For Jesus, when confronted with this sad, demon-possessed man, he simply goes over and casts the demon out. If you're with Jesus, if you have made him your Savior and Lord, you are with the most powerful supernatural being that has and will ever exist. He is King of kings and Lord of lords, and you do not have to fear the supernatural. You do not have to fear demons because you are with Jesus. Again, I imagine Jesus simply went over and told the demon, leave. Remember, that's what he did with the man who was inhabited with thousands of demons, right? He just said, go. And they did. One word. I think he just went over to this man and said, leave. And the demon did. And the minute the demon left him, man could see and then the man could could speak 
And I imagine the man turned to Jesus and just hugged him and fell down on on his knees. And the first words out of his mouth were praise for Jesus as Lord. And he praised Jesus for all that he was. It was a wonderful miracle. And when the people saw it, they began to ask themselves, could this be the son of David? But again, by using that term, what they were saying was, Could this truly be the Messiah? The message was starting to break through for some of them. This is the Messiah. If that's the Messiah, that means the kingdom is here. I need to turn to Jesus. I need to follow him. I need to repent and turn to Jesus, who is the Messiah. The message is breaking through their cold, dark hearts. But then, those Pharisees. In the middle of this wonderful moment, you hear the voices of the Pharisees crying out. He casts out demons under the authority of Satan. Don't think he is the son of David. No, he's the son of Satan. Yeah, yeah, he does that in the power of his father, Satan. And they hissed and booed and condemned. Right in the middle of this amazing supernatural moment, a moment when people could have turned to Jesus as their Savior, instead, here we have the Pharisees snatching it away, accusing Jesus of working for someone they call Beelzebub. That term in Jesus' day was referencing the name of the prince of demons, Beelzebub. Beelzebub was considered the chief demon, the one in charge of all the rest. And it came from the worship of the god Baal. And the name Beelzebub, it literally means Lord of the Flies. In other words, the Pharisees were saying that, Jesus, you cast out this man's demon by the power given to you by the prince of demons, by the Lord of the Flies. And they began to talk to everybody around them. Oh, he's not doing it in the name of Yahweh. He's not doing it for God. Nope, he's doing it in the name of Satan, Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies. And they would whisper in ear and talk and talk and talk. How evil. How despicable. To take this beautiful moment when people could be praising Yahweh and to to turn it and use it to attack Jesus and to accuse him of demonic activity. How sad. How tragic. But you know, isn't that how Satan loves to work still today? You know, isn't it true that Satan loves to take a spiritual high and turn it into a spiritual low? Satan loves to take moments in our lives when we feel we have just met God, experienced the presence of God, and then the next moment, man, you're going through something sad or frustrating or terrible, and he tries so hard to snatch that supernatural, spiritual, lovely, pure moment away. You know, you just had a wonderful time of devotions, and then the next moment you find your bank account's overdrawn. <laughs> 
Or you just had a wonderful time talking with a friend and then all of a sudden something happens and you get into an argument with somebody else or your kids come in and they cause so much frustration and terror and anger and you're like, I just had this beautiful moment and my kids ruined it, my spouse ruined it, my financial, all oh, the pressures of life. I just came back from a retreat, a women's retreat, a men's retreat, camp, and then boom, I met with the harshness and reality of life. Satan will do everything he can to try and to take those moments away. Satan tries to destroy those spiritual moments. But what happened here? This? This was far worse. What these Pharisees were doing was something Jesus could not leave unchallenged. These Pharisees were accusing Jesus of doing something Godly, something spiritual, but then doing it in the power and in the name of Beelzebub, of Satan himself. Jesus couldn't let that go. So he answers them. And he answers them with logic, by addressing their argument, and then with warnings. First, Jesus shows how logically flawed their thinking was. The basic argument Jesus used was, if I'm from Satan and I'm driving out Satan, how can that be? How could Satan drive out Satan? If Jesus was doing this in the name of Satan, wouldn't that mean Satan was driving out Satan? And that makes no sense. Matthew 12, 25 through 26, every kingdom divided against itself, Jesus says, is headed for destruction. And no city or house divided against itself will stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? Jesus is saying it makes no sense. If I'm driving out Satan and I'm working for Satan, this makes no sense. A house divided itself cannot stand. Then secondly, Jesus points out logically that some of their own Pharisees have successfully driven out demons and I'm not certain how that all works, and there's lots of questions about that, but I guess in Jesus' day, there were Pharisees that were used to drive out demons. And Jesus is saying, if you give those Pharisees credit for driving out demons, if that is true, are you saying that your own people are doing it in the name of Satan? Matthew 12, verse 27, And if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons drive them out? He's showing them how logically flawed their argument is. But then Jesus gives them a warning. If you Pharisees continue to attribute the works of God to Satan, then you're in huge trouble. Because you are either with me, with Jesus, or you stand in opposition to me. Jesus gives one of the most exclusive statements of his ministry. There is no middle way with Jesus. You either accept him as Lord and Savior, or you are on the side of Satan and headed to eternal wrath. Jesus says in chapter 12, verse 30, Anyone who is not with me is against me, and anyone who does not gather with me scatters. One author wrote, the claims of the kingdom and the demands of Jesus are so exclusivistic 
that to be indifferent or apathetic to him is to be on the side of those who do not confess that he is the Messiah who brings in the kingdom of God. You're either with me or you're against me. And then Jesus gives them another warning and he gives one of the greatest warnings found in scripture. Jesus says to these Pharisees, if you carry on down this path, you will reach a moment when you blaspheme the spirit and that sin, blaspheming the spirit, blaspheming the Holy Spirit, that sin can never be forgiven. You're about to head down a path, Pharisees, where you're going to commit a sin that cannot be forgiven. Matthew 12, verse 31 and 32, Therefore I tell you, people will be forgiven every sin and blasphemy, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the one to come. Wow, that's quite the warning, you know. Blasphemy is a big word. And ultimately, it means, according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, the act of insulting or showing contempt or lack of reverence for God. And here Jesus is accusing the Pharisees of blaspheming the Holy Spirit, which can never be forgiven. Jesus says, showing a lack of reverence to himself, to Jesus, you know, that can be forgiven. He says that whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But to blaspheme the Spirit, it will never be forgiven. Now, what does that mean? One writer put it this way. The first sin is rejection of the truth of the gospel, but there may be repentance and forgiveness for that. Whereas the second sin is rejection of the same truth in full awareness that that is exactly what one is doing, thoughtfully, willfully, and self-consciously rejecting the work of the Spirit, even though there can be no other explanation of Jesus's exorcisms than that. For such a sin, there is no forgiveness either in this age or the age to come. That's what one author said. One commentator, one theologian, he said, ultimately, it's, it's rejecting who Jesus is. And if you ultimately reject who Jesus is, that sin can never be forgiven you. You may reject the claims of Jesus to be Messiah, but there's still time to turn and repent. At this moment, Pharisees, you may be saying, nope, you're not Messiah. Nope, you're not Messiah. Nope, you're not Messiah. I don't believe you're Messiah. You may be saying that, but guess what? Your heart could be turned. Your heart could be changed. There's still time to see Jesus as Lord and to put your faith and believing loyalty in him. That can be forgiven. You can repent and change. But when you know in your hearts, Pharisees, as some of you do, that Jesus is Lord, when you know and see that these miracles are real and you believe the miracles are real, and you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and yet you still reject him as Messiah, and you still reject him as Savior and Lord, if you know all his claims to be true, and you still reject him, if your heart is that hard, then there is no hope for you, and that sin can never be forgiven 
because you have completely rejected God. Jesus then, I imagine, shakes his head and looks at the Pharisees and he calls them a name. It's a bad name, but it's an honest and true name. He calls them a brood of vipers. That was a terrible name to call someone back then. But Jesus wants everyone who is listening and watching to understand how truly evil and dangerous these men were. See, a viper is a snake, and when you see them, right, you should run. He's telling the Jewish people to not follow these men, but instead to run. Jesus knew they were snakes, they were vipers, because their words revealed what was in their hearts. Matthew 12, 34 through 37. Brood of vipers. How can you speak good things when you are evil? For the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. A good person produces good things from his storeroom of good. And an evil person produces evil things from his storeroom of evil. I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. You know, I just have to stop here and ask, what's in your heart? You know, what do your words reveal about what you believe, or what do your actions reveal about who you are following? Jesus says our language reveals whether we have a heart for Jesus or a heart for Satan. If your language reveals an angry bitter, spiteful heart towards God or towards the people of God or towards the things of God. You know what? Then the Bible says you're in trouble. And I'm worried you don't know Jesus at all and instead you're following Satan. That's what Jesus is saying because your heart, your language, what you do, your actions reveal what's ultimately in your heart. You know, you may have friends who say they're Christians. But they go places that you know are wrong, or they do activities and things, or maybe their language reveals that, you know, they say things that the Bible clearly says is sin, or they do things that are sinful. They cheat on exams. If that's you, what is... The Bible says it's wrong to cheat. You're revealing what's truly in your heart. The media you choose, the language you use, ultimately reveals what's in your heart. And I'm worried that you are demonstrating what is actually in there, that you're not a follower of Jesus, but that you are a follower of Beelzebub, of Satan. And if that's true of you, I encourage you, repent. Follow Jesus. You need to stop being a hypocrite and fundamentally change. And parents, I want to say that's one of the most important things to get at is your child's heart. You can change their actions. You can make a child behave. But do you have their heart? Do their actions come from a heart that truly loves Jesus or from a heart that just simply wants to get you out of their face and obey? And once they leave home, though... Man, I'm abandoning all this. I'm throwing all this Jesus stuff out the window, you know? 
parents, you want your child's heart. Children, you want a heart that is after Jesus, that truly loves him and says, I will do my best to live for him. And my actions and my words and my life reveal that I am a follower of Jesus. But if they don't, I encourage you, repent. Ask Jesus to save you today. There is still time to repent. Well, Jesus is giving grave warnings to these Pharisees. But they don't listen. They don't listen and instead ask for a sign. Now, a sign for them was some type of miracle that would confirm that Jesus was a prophet of God. One author wrote, A sign was usually some miraculous token to be fulfilled quickly or at once to confirm a prophecy. They were asking for a sign performed on command to remove what seemed to them the, the unclear message of who Jesus was. What? Jesus was performing miracle after miracle. But for these Pharisees, these men, they, they weren't certain if these miracles were from God or, or from Beelzebub or Satan, you know? They're acting all uppity and, and acting all demonic and all evil. They were acting like a brood of vipers. They were unwilling to see Jesus for who he truly was. So instead of believing in the miracles that they did have, they asked for a sign. If you truly are the Messiah, perform a sign. Give us a sign right now. Paul, later writing in 1 Corinthians, says that the Jews in his day sought a sign. Give us a sign, some sort of sign. In Jesus' day and later in Paul's life, a good Jew would want someone professing to be a prophet to perform a sign. But did they not just notice the sign that was given to them when Jesus healed this blind, mute man? Did they not see the signs all around them over the past days and weeks when Jesus performed miracle after miracle? Jesus knows they don't really want a sign. Jesus knows they're just talking, just trying to treat Jesus like some magic trick or magician or some type of performer on command. Jesus knew they would reject any sign, any miracle he would have given them. So, Jesus then gives them a sign. You want a sign? I will give you a sign. A sign they could not forget. A sign so miraculous we still celebrate and marvel at it today. And you know what that sign was? We'll come back for our next podcast to find out. But I just want to encourage you, follow Jesus today. Put your believing faith and trust and believing loyalty in him. Believe that Jesus is God and say, I want to commit my life to him. Repent of your sin and say, I want to follow Jesus every day. Don't be like these Pharisees who see the miracles and see Messiah in front of them, but continue to reject him. Because if you do that, you're headed down a sad, sad path. A path. Towards Satan, towards Beelzebub, 
towards separation from God forever, towards eternity in the lake of fire. Why would you choose that? Today is the day of salvation. Choose Jesus today. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.